Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. I'm Will, that's Jeremy, and today we're going to be talking a little bit of Critical Role Campaign 3. Now, unfortunately, as you can see, Blake is no longer with us for the second week in a row. Um, it pains me, I know it pains you guys. Jeremy, not that we don't love you, um, but I just miss my illustrious original co-host, um, miss diving in deep it feels like because we had so this will be our second episode in the row without blake but before that yeah it was the mighty nine reunion right so it's been like it's not important but it's been a long time since we've had like a campaign three actual pixelist podcast deep dive discussion so i'm i'm jonesing man especially because this episode was so good i this was one of my favorite episodes of the whole campaign not the favorite but one of like i just i loved it and um you know of course since we don't have blake we're not gonna have our typical discussion so i was about to say i'm getting ahead of myself but maybe i should just talk about it right now um no i mean i'll, I'll talk a little bit after the recap i guess but yeah um top top episode one of the top episodes of the campaign for me so it's a shame i can't dive in deep to it with my buddy um but now i can't remember if i ex explained what's happening i'm losing it today y'all um i don't think i did so i'm gonna explain it but if i already did forgive me for repeating myself uh but yeah blake's not here today because he's sick unfortunately and if you'll recall uh if you saw last week's podcast which first of all forgive me but second of all, I mentioned that now that my my words are going to get confusing here because of time. But uh, let me just make sure I'm right in the head, y'all. So I, it's been crazy before the holidays. I had a lot to accomplish before uh, before we go out of town. <laughs> so my brain's a little bit scrambled. Also, quick plug: I've been uh, spending a lot of time deep in the video editing realm, and I put out a video breaking down the legend of box machina season two trailer that came out last week or maybe it was this week time is a weird soup and i actually just yesterday put out a video doing a deep dive narrative breakdown on what i think we're gonna see in the legend of box machina season two uh based on the episode titles which were revealed on imdb now if you're into box machina which i assume you probably are if you're watching this channel Definitely give those videos a, a check. But if you didn't see campaign one, I would recommend staying away from the deep dive narrative on the episode titles because that's going to have massive spoilers. Um, so check those out, you know, like, comment, subscribe, all that jazz. Uh, anyway, where was I? I got way off track. So anyway, if you saw last week's podcast, I mentioned that there was no episode this week. A, aka there was no episode of critical role on the 22nd of december turns out there is so that, that's why um i we originally thought we would have more time to record this current episode that you're receiving right now um but when we found out there was an episode on the 22nd we were like oh we got to get our episode out you know before the new one um so we were scrambling to find a time we were both free uh, and then we did, um, 
but Blake got sick and he's still sick, unfortunately. So that's why we're getting another episode of good old Jeremy. I know y'all love him. So I know, I know everyone's probably just secretly excited that he's back, but Blake, we do miss you. And, uh, I, uh, what if I just broke out into song? Just want you to know, uh, you can tell guys I'm lost without Blake clearly. Like, what am I doing right now? What am I talking about? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not operating on much sleep anyway, before this descent into madness gets any more embarrassing. Let's actually talk about what we're here to talk about <laughs> critical role. So Again, you know the song and dance since we just had this happen last week, but this won't be a normal episode. We'll basically just do the recap. Um, but like I mentioned, this is one of my favorite episodes of the campaign, so I'll probably give a quick two to five minute spiel on the episode once we're done with the recap. Um, but then, yeah, we will uh, we will have a quick short one, but good news is we do have an episode this week, so I'm excited for that. It'll be the last one before the end of the year. And, um, I mean, obviously I don't want to jinx myself, but presumably, hopefully our next podcast on that episode will be back to normal. The dynamic duo reunited. Um, so we can all be looking forward to that in the new year and holy crap, this is going to be our last episode of the year. Well, maybe not, hopefully not, but our last critical role episode of the year at for sure. Okay. The ramble machine is is nearing its final stop. Let's let's jump into the recap. So if you're new to us, if you're new to the channel, we're the Pixelists, me and this green stuffed animal. The channel is mostly my descent into madness, but we also talk about Critical Role. Uh, so in our podcast, we cut out a recap every week and we host that separately on YouTube for your viewing convenience. So if you happen to find yourself on that recap right now and you're interested in hearing the full podcast where we discuss Critical Role, we theory craft, all that good jazz, then click the link below, check out the channel, you might find some things you like. Um, but without further ado, let's jump into the recap. So episode 42 of Campaign 3, The City of Flowing Light. Alrighty, so... We pick up with Bell's Hells having completed their long rest after the events of Chetney's trial with Sayadon and the streaking that followed. Uh, they wonder if Chet's uh, actually a member of the Gorgine now. And Annalyn, excuse me, Annalyn says that, uh, you know, he's a member of the Orders, but if he wants to be an official Gorgine, he needs to come back and train with them for more than a couple of days. So everyone has breakfast and FCG actually goes over and tries to learn how to cook rabbit um, from Manad. But meanwhile, Imogen messages Xandis and tells them to come pick him up and gives a quick description of the area they're in. So, you know, they have a better chance of finding him. Lana then goes to Fern to get her to teach her how to cast fire spells. They have a bit of a practice session, which ends with Lana burning a decent chunk of the nearby forest and a few eyebrows. Um, while they're practicing, though, they have a heart to heart and Fern basically apologizes for flipping a coin when it came down to resurrecting her or Orum during the Odahan fight. And, you know, Lana, of course, forgives her. And meanwhile, while this is happening, Orum practices with his new sword. And Uther comes up and asks him, that's a fine sword, what do you call it? Orum says it's a tough decision because the sword was Will's and the shields was Derek, so they're both really important to him. And, you know, he just isn't sure on a name for it yet. 
Uther says that his sword's name is the Jawtaker on account of the fact that he cleaved off the jaw of the man he got it from. So Orm talks and finds a little bit more about Uther, that he came from the Claret Orders originally, uh, and from the Savalierwood in Wildmount. And Chetney overhears this, but a little bit more on that later. Ashton approaches Annalyn and awkwardly asks if she couldn't show him a thing or two with the hammer. Uh, she smiles and spars with him and helps him focus his technique. And eventually the airship arrives and Annalyn and Chetney have one last talk. She gives him a bit of advice on taming the beast and asks, uh, and he asks her about Uther based on what he overheard earlier and finds out that Uther, you know, left the Clarat orders because he claims he left some sort of wound on his past. And, you know, because of what he did, home was no longer home, uh, but he's happy to have found a new home here. So everyone then boards the airship, but Manad actually, there's this moment where he stops Fern before she leaves and is like, hey, you know, you and your friends were real cool. Like, if y'all ever wanted to come back, like, that would be totally sick. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, Fern blushes and is basically like, okay. Uh, so everyone boards the ship and Xandis tells them, you know, it's about two days for the rest of, uh, for the, rest of the way to Eos and they head off. Uh, so for the first day of travel, FCG rolls and gets a natural 20 for the day of traveling, which means everything is smooth sailing. Um, FCG goes and finds the chef, Denalia, and tries to make Estras's cookie recipe with her. And meanwhile, as they're traveling, uh, Xandis is basically giving a history lesson as they fly over different parts of the continent. Uh, they fly over specifically Corio and the Hablon River um, and down the Panagrip Sands. I believe these are all like the POIs that are actually mentioned. Um, and that's basically the first day of travel. Uh, the next day comes and Orem finishes his crude carving of the wolf that he was making for Chetney. And he goes down and gives it to him. Uh, Chet says Orem is, you know, one of the bravest people he knows, but, <laughs> but that this carving sucks. <laughs> so... But, you know, it's the thought that counts. So um, he also gives Orem one of his chisels for, for future projects. And uh, Orem then shows Chet, like, the capabilities of his new sword. I mean, same sword, new capabilities, but probably just going to keep calling it new sword for clarity. Um, so he shows it to him, and he actually tells Chetney that he has named it. And it is Seedling, the Wayward Pilgrim. So they have a nice little moment. Uh, so Fern actually is the one rolling for this next day's travel, and she hits an 11. Um, there's no major incidents, so just the weather's a little bit worse. Xandis, again, is pointing out things. He points out the Shallowlands. It's their, like this rough-and-tumble area that's full of lots of crazy elemental magic. Um, but then they're approaching Eos, and there's a very enormous lake ahead, Lake Koron, which is the center of a Shanador and what Eos is built upon. Uh, Xandis always also points out Aruat, uh, I think that's how you say it, a fishing village, and eventually a massive cluster of buildings and lights come into view, and it is the city of flowing lights. Uh, there are bridges connection, connecting all certain parts of the city, and there's like this three-tiered like lake with waterfalls that basically everything is is built upon, and all the lights from the city are reflecting gorgeously off the water, and that's why it is called the city of flowing light. Um, everyone is, you know, thinks it's absolutely gorgeous. And as they approach, they go into the Lake Cap Skyport Lounge and Dock. And the party head off the dock and try to decide what to do first. And that's actually where we go to break. 
So, Jeremy, are you feeling up for tackling the second half? Yeah. All right. Go for it, buddy. All right. Uh, good job with the first half. Um, so we pick back up with the uh, crew arriving, and they're being greeted by Port Captain Lirios, a half-elven woman who asks what their business is and how long they all be staying. And uh, Imogen tells them they're here to study. And she finds out that it's 50 gold for the week or 10 gold per day to dock the ship. So Imogen pays for the week, and Xandas takes them all into the lounge. It's it's nice there, and there are several games a chance to play, so party decide to stay here for the night and kick back. Ashton gets everyone some drinks, and they begin to look around. Chetney says if you win enough, they'll give you a free room. So Fern gets to talking to a guard and tells him that she's a professor, and uh, she learns of the three rings of the city. We've got the Dominion Ring, which has the Aiden Seminary. We have the Endeavor Ring, which they are currently above, and contains the business-oriented aspects of the city. And finally, we have the Venture Ring, which is more urban and has the fishing docks. Gang then decides, uh, well, why don't we do some gambling? And Laudan has this idea with Chetney to try and cheat using pate, but group ultimately decides that it's probably not a good idea since they just got there and don't want to bring too much heat on themselves. So, uh, they decide to just do some regular old cheat-free gambling. Now, there's a couple games here that are on offer at the uh, at the lounge. We've got the Griffin's Wall, which is a dice game that basically akin to blackjack. You're trying to get to 21 without going over. And Fork of the Storm, card game that's still played with dice, but it's more akin to Texas Hold'em. Each player can roll a dice, a D8 to be specific, and they hide number. Then everyone rolls a D6 in public, and finally a D4 in public. Now, between each of those dice rolls, there is a round of betting, and whoever has the highest total at the end wins. So, the party starts with Chet, Fern, and FCG. Uh, playing some Fork of the Storm, and FCG actually cast Divination to decide how he should gamble, and that's a spell that costs 25 gold just to cast. And the Changebringer tells him to fold. So, for the sake of brevity, uh, Chetney actually ends up winning here a pot of 654 gold, 80% of which he gets to keep. He tells the dealer he wants the presidential suite and is told to talk to Freya about the rooms. Then we have Imogen, Laudna, Ashton, Orem, and Chetney go play around at the Griffin's Wall. And every single one of them wins against the dealer, with four of them getting exactly 21. Meanwhile, Fern and FCG go speak to Freya a bit about getting a room, and FCG tells her they want a really nice one. And Freya says that'll be 12 gold. FCG then brings up how Chetney said you can sometimes get a free room, so he mentions they're spending a lot of money and they should be given the royal treatment and he casts fast friends on her. She rolls a natural 20, unfortunately, so Fern suggests they just pay and tell Chetney they got it for free. She then tips Freya five gold and asks if Chetney asks to please tell him that the room was comped. They return to the rest of the party, and we have another round of the fork of the, the, the fork gambling game. So... The dealer ends up winning this round, but FCG lets everyone know, hey, at least we got the room comped, and everyone actually inside checks this and knows that they're lying except for Chetney. The party is then approached by a Mr. Landon Crayshaw, a United gentleman, which is a half-orc, half-elf, 
who identifies himself as a host of the city. He can take you around and guide, uh, help the party with anything they may be looking for. Party tells him they're traveling troop visiting the city, and Orm puts on a little Cirque du Soleil performance to help sell it. Imogen casts detect thoughts on Landon and finds that he's extremely impressed and super excited that he got to this group first. They find out he's five years out of college where he studied carpentry, and this of course excites Chetney. And they find out that it's five gold for a half day of his guidance and eight for the full. The party decide to meet with him in the morning, and Chetney decides he'll give him a little test on carpentry, and if he fails, there will be a penalty to pay. The party then head to their room, and it's very nice. They decide to order shrimp cocktails, and Ashton at one point calls Pate over and tells him that while inside Laudan's head, they saw the birth of Pate and that they all really care about her and will keep her safe. Pate agrees, and Ashton looks him deep in the eyes and says, If that's Delilah in there, I will murder you if anything happens to Laudna. Pate's a bit freaked out by this, but Laudna says that's just how Ashton makes friends. Imogen then goes to take a bath and closes the curtain, but she then casts invisibility on herself and jumps out the window, casting fly and soaring over the city. She then casts sin into her mother, telling her she's in Eos and asking if she is. Her mother responds and says that Imogen should stay there to stay safe, to stay away from her. Imogen says, I can't. I'm getting swept up in this regardless if I stay away from you or not. And her mother responds, saying, I've given up so much to keep you safe. If you run toward me, you will definitely be swept up in it. Imogen then spends a bit longer flying outside Eos before she returns to the room and everyone finds a night's rest. They wake up the next morning and go over their to-do list. We got Lord Preston Drodalon living here, Evan Hold Kai, and of course uh, Imogen's business at the seminary. So the group goes and meets with Landon and he guides them to the seminary, pointing out all the local points of interest along the way. They learn a lot about the city and, of course, see a lot of its beauty. Uh, they learn that the fairy guild is run by Sarah Boondin. And uh, Landon also points out that there's lots of reconstruction happening here in the city, rebuilding parts that were damaged during the Apex War. At the Tribridge Plaza, there is a large statue of an orcish warrior, exemplar Mani Drogadon. He also points out a couple of shops to the party, Trudge the Glimmer and Travis, excuse me, Traverse Rarities. He points out that the Northern Dominion Ring is the most erudite part of the city and includes the palace, the seat of valor, home to the court of the Lambeth Path, and also the Rose Marble Amphitheater and the Cobalt Saw Library, and finally the Aidenman Seminary, massive castle all connected by walkways, possibly the greatest college in all of Exandria has a strong rivalry with the Terratel Conservatory. Landon approaches the seminary and tells him that he cannot go with them inside, but he will wait outside if they would like to retain his services, which they do. As they begin to walk in, they hear a bit of a commotion above them and look up to see an avian creature with cloudy eyes and a hooked beak looming over them, and it immediately swoops towards FCG, and that's where the episode ends. Yo, Jeremy, great job, man. And your voice sounds a little bit different, but you know, there's Blake's sick. There's a lot of things going around. You just 
sound a little hoarse or something, but I mean, that's beside the point. Great job, dude. Um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, that was episode 42 of Critical Role Campaign 3, The City of Flowing Light. Um, once again, if you find yourself on this recap, um, you're, you're probably not because this episode's weird. Uh, well, no, not you're probably not. I'll, oh my God, I gotta, I need a nap. If you find yourselves on this recap and you would like to see our full discussion, which there isn't one for this episode. There might be, actually. Actually, there is going to be one. If you find yourself on this recap, I really should edit this, huh? Should I should edit this out? If you find yourselves on this recap, click the link down below to see the full discussion where we will be theory crafting, discussing, sharing our dreams, maybe our nightmares. But anyway, you can find that in the link below. And normally, I won't. I will not be this crazy. There'll still be some level of, of of insanity for sure, but it won't be like this. And I will have an actual human partner. And in a normal episode under normal circumstances, you could click the link below to see the rest of the episode. But thank you, Jesus Christ. I hope you're not new to the channel and this is the first you're seeing of us. But if so, this is a special moment. Anyways. Uh, so, you know, I usually don't do a discussion section with Jeremy, but like I already mentioned, I really enjoyed this episode and I actually, as right before I, we pressed go on this, uh, I talked in the discord telling everybody that, you know, Blake wasn't going to make it. Um, but did anyone have any like specific questions or points of discussion that they wanted to have me talk about, which actually and I, I'm getting some responses here, so we'll cover that, and that'll be our discussion portion, I suppose. Um, but using this moment to plug the Discord, um, come hang out. You know, we talk Critical Role. We have our own live chat that uh, is fun to participate in uh, during the episodes, but also uh, in future cases where you know Blake's gone or something, that that might be what we do. I just field questions from you guys. So anyway. Let's see what we've got here. Well, before I dive into that, I already mentioned this a bit, but what I thought of the episode, loved it. Um, I think it was just, I mean, as those of you who watch us know, like Blake and I both love the RP. We're heavy lore guys. Um, there wasn't so much lore in this episode. I mean, there was some as far as the description of, of Eos and, you know, little points here and there. But really, this was an RP heavy episode and it wasn't even like, deep backstory cuts it was just like slice of life and that's just i know that's not for everybody but i really enjoyed it especially after all of like the darkness and trials and tribulations bell's hells has gone through recently it was just really nice to get to see them kind of sit back relax and just have fun you know both both the cast and like the characters themselves and the cast uh, clearly they were just having a great time you know your dm makes a couple of uh <clears throat> you know just quick like gambling games which you know i'm sure matt put more thought into it than just like oh, let's just roll the dice twice like of course he did but i'm sure he didn't think it would be like half the episode his players playing it but that just goes to show like how much fun they're having you know and so loved this episode um we also just had a bunch of great like little moments where things could breathe if you will like the start of the episode uh basically just being everyone being like hey 
this is what I got with my new level. Like this is the feat I took, or this is the spell I got, you know, cause we had FCG, uh, helping Manad cook the rabbits. And then later in the episode, helping bake the cookies. So I think it's, I think it's a pretty safe bet that FCG took the chef feat, which I think is just amazing because he can't taste. Um, so I'm really interested to see how that develops because, you know, knowing Sam Regal, there's obviously like the the surface layer of it being funny that the robot took the chef feet because he can't taste and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But knowing him, there's going to be like a 16th layer of depth to it that's going to, you know, punch us all in the gut at some point uh and maybe it even plays into his past uh his past life if you will right because we know he was this sleeper agent that would go in under the guise of like being a a, a servant robot or a you know a, a helper robot in some form or fashion before he was activated to then assassinate so maybe he was like a chef maybe he was a chef robot in his assignment um and that would be cool. Uh, but we have Ashton who presumably this this one I had to glean from other people because I'm not familiar enough with like all of 5e stuff. But I saw a lot of people say that they think Ashton took the crusher feet. So we kind of got his little moment with uh, Annalyn. And of course, we have the Fern uh, Laudna moment, you know, displaying Laudna's new fire capabilities. So I just... That is all my jam. I loved all of that. Um, and of course, just I'm, I'm waxing too poetic on the episode. You guys all get it. But it was just fun, lighthearted, fun. And Eos is absolutely beautiful. Like, I have not seen any fan art of it yet. Um, I'm sure it's out there by now. As of recording this, it's it's the next Thursday. So uh, I'm definitely going to have to deep dive after I finish this podcast and see if I can find anything. If y'all have found any like amazing artwork, definitely tweet it at me or post it in the discord. Cause I would love to see it. But yeah, I, when, when Matt was describing it, I was like, man, I, I hope critical role land one day is real and somehow has some sort of VR EOS experience ride that I can go on because it was just magical. And of course, it's literally snowing here right now. So it, I don't know, even though Eos isn't like winter vibes, I just was imagining it that way. And I was like, man, the lake all frozen. Like, how cool would that be? It just made me happy. Um, So hated the episode, clearly. And uh, the only other things that I wanted to make sure to talk about before I dive into what people are saying on the Discord is... Oh, the appearance of shithead at the end. What a freaking curveball. I so we know that that FCG hates this bird, right? He he mentioned it. You know, they had a I think the longest discussion he had about it was with Travis that one night. Uh I don't remember what town they were in, but you know, he and he and Chetney stayed up late talking about it one night and that's when we found out like he called him shithead and it was just a bird that always picked on him. Um, back when we found that out, that was before we knew that FCG was the one who murdered his whole family or, you know, Dancer and his, his other robot brothers and sisters. Right. So I'm not sure if I'm the only one that thought this or, or other people did as well, but part of me was like, okay, so maybe he like 
maybe he in, invented that bird as like a coping mechanism so he didn't have to like wrestle with the fact that he was the one that did that right he would have had to have created some other entity that he thought did that um which the one-eyed monster right so originally i thought this bird was going to have one eye but of course we found out that fcg was the one with one eye so the bird is unrelated to that incident which i thought was fascinating because now i'm just very curious what's going on here um is the bird an automaton itself does it you know like what is why would this bird if it is a bird have this vendetta against him so when shithead showed up at the end of the episode i got so hyped uh which because now clearly we're gonna get hopefully some answers on all of that in tonight's episode um so really looking forward to that and that was just a super fun cliffhanger to end what i thought was an amazing episode um jeremy similar thoughts or no i guess cat got your tongue yeah, he only comes in small doses y'all but you know that's fine all right let's see what what we got here um so Ness is saying, I thought Fern's scene with Lana was extremely interesting. At the beginning of C3, she's always seemed a bit detached from whatever's going on, but it's been clear since Lana's death that she's been carrying that guilt very heavily. She wanted to throw away FCG's coin. When she was tripping, she asked a chain finger beetle about the coin flip. Yeah. Um, yes, 100%. I'm so glad you said this because I meant to, I wanted to bring that up as well. Um I so that moment in their little heart to heart when Laudna and Fern were practicing together, I was I was having the same feelings and it made me think that for sure Fern did not actually like flip the, well she did actually flip the coin but she didn't actually like listen to it. Um, I mean maybe the coin landed up Orum and so you know she resurrected Orum but I think the coin was irrelevant if that was the case and that potentially the coin landed on Laudna and Fern you know went the other way which i'm pretty sure you know we've talked about this uh back when that happened on the podcast but that little moment cemented it for me that she definitely like is feeling guilty because she went she was gonna res orm either way right um so yeah ness i really like that you point that out because we are kind of getting cracks in the veneer if that if that's an, a fair way to say it uh so i'm really looking forward to when maybe that full-on reveal comes out if she if she like confesses that you know she just chose orum um but clearly laudna i don't think would be that upset by it i mean she forgave her here in this moment even though you know fern didn't really need forgiveness based on what laudna thinks happened um but I just, yeah, I don't think Laudna would be upset, but I still think that would be an amazing moment when that, if that happens. All right, what else we got here? All right, we've got a message from Rose. Let me read this one out. So trying to think back to all that happened. There's, of course, all the character interactions and the conversations. Fern and Laudna, that convo with Laudna being revived was long overdue. And like Ness said, I think Fern's side of things was also very interesting. The training sessions, Fern teaching Laudna fire magic, Ashton leveling up their skill, uh, FCG starting to cook and bake, and whatever abilities they got are interesting too. The convo between Orem and Chet. Oh, yes. Okay, I'm going to, there's more, but I'm going to stop and talk about things when we get to them. 
So yeah, that I loved that moment. That was so big because that was one of the first times I feel like that Orem has really opened up. Now there have there have been a few times at various points in the campaign, but since they're so few and far between, they like really stick out, you know. So that just like melted me because of course it was with our big softy Chet who you know likes to put up the the rough exterior, and I love that Chet was like he wasn't he responded to that vulnerability with empathy and and with like understanding whereas it would have been so easy to like make a joke or you know just just anything right but he he took in that that moment with the respect that it deserved because he knew like that was a big thing for Orm to be sharing with him and obviously just the name itself was so cool seedling the wayward pilgrim um a lot to unpack there. I feel like Orum, you know, has always been the quiet one, kind of is wrestling with his own set of demons. I think that moment with the Wild Mother really, like, meant a lot to him, clearly. Because uh, he's had a lot of tragedy and trauma in his life, right? Especially in the most recent years. So I could imagine that maybe he had kind of started to stray away from the gods i don't know if he if he like ever worshipped the wild mother before all that tragedy or not but i definitely felt this like sense of like renewed purpose and invigoration from him um and you know the wayward pilgrim i assume he's referring to himself you know because maybe whether he was really religious or not before doesn't really matter. And not that he's super religious now, but I think, you know, he, he is that wayward pilgrim that is now finding his way back. Um, and also the sword itself is just so cool. The man's Spider-Man, Indiana Jones and people now. But yeah, love that moment. All right, let's see. Continuing with Rose's comment, we have, and of course, as an Ashton fan, gotta love the Ashton and Pate interaction. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> How am I forgetting these things? Okay, yeah. I wanted to talk about that too. Let me finish your comment about it first though. Ashton bringing up the possibility of that piece of Delilah being within watching through Pate and their subsequent threat to Delilah Pate. I'm um, not sure if you also watch Foresighted Dive, Will, but I really feel like what Talis said about Ashton starting to let himself grow close to the group and learning how to, pe how to people slash how to approach that kind of stuff again because it's been a while. All that stuff has been really showing in this episode and recent other ones. 100% agree. I've been loving this Ashton kind of character growth among like the last 10 or so episodes. Um, and yeah, that was another one of those moments that just like really got me because um, one, it was just a cool insight that I hadn't even considered before now. Uh, the fact that like the piece of Delilah that remains might be what's in Pate, um, especially because we get that very telling uh that very telling turn of phrase that pate used which was basically like and i'm just paraphrasing here but if she goes i go which is exactly what delilah said um yeah very very interesting and of course i just love ashton being like yeah i'll fucking kill you <laughs> so gotta love that like big protector energy um which if Blake was here, and I don't think, let me preface this by saying, I don't think anything romantic has to be connected to that at all. That is totally just like a, I love you even if it's just 
like a friendly way could a million percent be that. And I think is that, um, but, but, but I think there's at least the possibility of there being some like romantical emotions behind that as well. Um, which I just mentioned that because Blake, you know, uh, in the Hellcatch Valley episodes first mentioned, he kind of felt some sort of vibe in an Ashton and Laudna scene, which I had not picked up on. But so now I'm, I'm starting to view things through that potential lens when we get different moments between them. And so I could see it. I still personally am not like shipping that, that theory. Uh, shipping was not the right word to use. I'm still not like behind that theory, but it at least, you know, there's some arguments to be made. Um, so yeah, fantastic moment. All right, continuing on here. I feel like you could really just feel the bonds between all the party members this episode. Yeah, just so many interesting and or wholesome interactions between everyone, like Ashton bringing specific drinks. Yes, that was a nice moment too. And the Chet and Norm convo. Chet offering Imogen a bath. Like, is that just me or did this episode really bring out the bonds between everyone? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Then we got the world building description stuff was really cool. Yes, beautiful. Um, what did I expect to see? Okay, that's a good question. I didn't know what I expected to see, but I'll tell you what. I didn't expect to see a full episode taking place in the airport casino lounge which is basically where they were right so but again that just calls back to like how much fun they were having and like that's just the joy of D D. um so i i didn't really have expectations um and i loved what we got but i am really excited to see what this city holds you know we got a uh jeremy actually mentioned it in the recap not me but we got a list of a few different points of interest as uh they were getting the the tour basically on the way to the seminary so really excited and hopefully they check out a few of those points especially the shops because i mean we got to meet all the new merchants um but yeah i just give me all give me all the world building give me all the descriptors because the city is freaking beautiful um and lastly shitheads here (laughs) what the fuck's up with that yeah so we already talked about that a little bit but i'm right there with you uh, I don't know. I guess I'm half asking questions and half just bringing stuff up that might be noteworthy topics slash events from this episode. Anyway, I hope I didn't forget anything. I'm going to bed now. I'll see you guys later when the next episode airs. Rose, thank you so much for the comment. Um, and then we have uh, Ness following up again. I bet FCG's sudden interest in cooking is because Sam took the chef feat. FCG's wisdom went up by one point, which would line up with the chef feat. Oh, there we go. Similarly, I've seen the theory that Ashton took the crusher feat, which is another plus one to either con or strength plus additional benefits when you deal bludgeoning damage. So yeah, Ness on the same page. That makes me feel like it's even more confirmed. Um, But Ness, Rose, thank you guys so much. I know that was like short notice, me asking if anyone had any questions, but I really appreciate it because now I was actually able to throw together a bit of a discussion, which I was really wanting to have here. So Thank you. Thank you very much. Again, if anyone else um, is seeing this and isn't in the discord, it'll be linked down in the description below. Definitely come hang out. Um, You know, full disclosure, it's a discord also for my Twitch channel. So there's, there's all the pixel stuff, but then there's also just normal, like I doing stuff on Twitch. Um, So I would love to broaden the pixelists 
base on there because uh, we got we got a few a few critical role peeps and we get some good discussions going but the more the merrier so definitely check that out and maybe even uh you know no promises because who knows but maybe even on episodes where it is normal with me and blake maybe we could get like a few questions from you guys each time that we could cover um assuming the the time makes sense for when we're um recording but yeah so um join the discord other than that i mean i think that's pretty much it uh trying to think let me look at my notes really quick jeremy maybe vamp for me for a second no i mean we pretty much covered those big things i wanted to talk about um I one thing I do hope we see while we're here though is uh I would love to see another interaction with uh Lord Preston. Uh which again, if you guys didn't watch campaign one, slight spoilers, but we talked about this back when he first showed up. Uh but he's from campaign one. He's actually the Lord of the Quad well now I'm actually I just got worried that I was confusing two people. I don't think I am. So anyway, this was the guy that was Lord of the Quad Roads thanks to a wish from the deck of many things. So um, I really don't think we're going to you know, be diving too deep into that character, but it would be interesting to see him again just to see if we can figure out any more about like what his life has looked like between then and now. Um, but yeah, uh, y'all, again, thank you for bearing with me. Um, you know, sleep deprived talking to a stuffed animal will is a rare version but hopefully a version that's bearable nonetheless i um i'm excited for tonight's episode again it's the last episode of the year hopefully we get some uh interesting answers to some questions in fcg's backstory um it'll be interesting to see what the the cliffhanger is for this episode since it'll be a you know a couple weeks i actually don't even know when critical role returns um again hopefully we'll be for our podcast on the episode that's airing tonight hopefully blake will be back and we'll be back to normal um and he's sick and obviously we got all the holidays coming up and then the new year's so i don't know that there will be another episode from us before the new year but we have a couple ideas and i'd like there to be so even though it won't be critical role related keep an eye out for um maybe another episode before end of year from us uh again would super appreciate it if you checked out the two videos i posted this week about the vox machina season two trailer and the narrative breakdown based on the episode titles again steer away from that latter one if you didn't see campaign one because it does have heavy spoilers but all the likes the comments that really helps with the algorithm and those um those videos where i like actually have to video edit them and stuff take a lot of time and i'm still learning but so like any engagement on those to help them at all really means a lot and uh other than that y'all i hope you guys have a wonderful night we all can enjoy some crucial role together i should be in the the critical role live chat channel in the discord tonight uh I got to do some packing and some Christmas shopping, so I won't be as active as like normal in there, but I will pop in. So if anybody wants to chat during the episodes, come hang out.
Uh, but y'all have a fantastic rest of your holiday season, no matter what you celebrate. Uh, hopefully you have a fantastic new year and just thank you so much for being on this uh, journey with us. I, I, you know, I love talking critical role, which is why I made this podcast and <laughs> I, you know, I now have Blake to talk about it with, but more importantly, I have all y'all to talk about it with, especially when he who shall not be named Jeremy. I'm just kidding, dude. I love you. But especially when Jeremy's the only one here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that's all I got y'all. Have a good one. Oh, thumbnail. That'll be it right there. <laughs> Bye.